Hyperreality. The digital layer that virtual and augmented reality imposes on the world is seeing massive amounts of investment from tech companies, game developers, and even the pharmaceutical industry. But for small developers looking to get in on the action and stay ahead of the game, these fantastic opportunities come with some big legal problems. This isn't science fiction anymore. We are rapidly approaching the point where lots of us will be able to customise our level of interaction with reality and to customise how reality appears to us. You and I could be able to walk down the same street and see it very differently and see different things there. We might see different political adverts on the same wall, occupying the same space. We might be able to opt out of seeing certain things or even certain people. But I think on a commercial basis, as well as on an ethical basis, small and big developers need to seriously think about not just the goodwill that they are resting on, when they do their design. We're building in frameworks and mechanics to make them stick to their own frameworks in order to make sure that there isn't a creep of creepiness in terms of this kind of technology because that's what happened with the internet and it proved and is proving extremely difficult to arrest, especially when it's the basis of some of the most powerful business models that currently define our society. That is what happens inside the computer. And that's what's going to start happening on the street. That's Robert Morgan, writer of 2019's VR Game of the Year, a former lead game writer at PlayStation and founder and creative director of the AR design studio, Playlines. Let's think about the, the worst case scenario from, from the perspective of, of a developer, especially a small developer who's, who's at, at commercial and, and various other kinds of legal risks. I think there are going to be assaults, there are going to be robberies, there are going to be slanders, there are going to be sexualizations of people, and sexual violations of people that are really significant and which we don't know how to cope with. And just to give like a really inflammatory example, it's not hard to imagine and you could get quite a long way towards it with current tools. It's not hard to imagine someone it being able to build a tool which allows them to walk down the street and see people or see certain people and superimpose graphics on top of their physical bodies which make it look like they're naked. What, what does that mean? What does it mean if those nakedness models are based on photos of real people what does it mean if it's based on a photo of that person but they do not expect or are even aware that you are currently augmenting them in a way that is sexualizing them what does that mean On this episode of Legal Bites, we'll be talking about how small developers can guard against these issues by utilizing existing industry guidelines Specifically, we'll be talking about the CyberXR guidelines, which have been created by prominent members of the industry so that creatives and developers don't have to wait for the law to catch up with the technology. I'm your host, Amber Boo, and joining me today is a BAFTA award-winning, BEMA award-winning, executive digital XR producer who is literally one of the people writing the legal guidelines on hyperreality. It's time to jump on a call with Mookie Coolin. 
Hello, Amber. How are you? I am doing very well. If you don't mind, let's just jump straight into it with my first question. Let's go for it. So first of all, I guess riffing off all of the many seeds that Rob planted in his intro. <laughs> oh, good old Rob Morgan planting seeds. <laughs> but I'd very much like to hear kind of how much of an issue do you think the lack of regulation in the AR and VR sector is? You know what? It's an issue that we discuss in our industry circles regularly, you know, and I'm sure Rob mentioned XRSI and the work we're doing to create some industry set standards for bringing awareness to safety and inclusion, diversity, ethical, you know, fairness. Uh, And I also work very closely with the Cyber XR Coalition, which is an extension of XRSI, which is the XR Safety Initiative. But all we can do now is help bring up these topics and raise awareness so that way people can start to create experiences uh, with the right frame of mind and knowing that, you know, privacy is an issue, safety is an issue, uh, ethical fairness is an issue, uh, diversity, inclusion, accessibility is all an issue. And, uh, you know, as soon as industry-wide standards are, you know, created and signed off and acknowledged and practiced, these types of experiences will be able to launch in in a safe way uh, and people won't have to worry about all of those teeny tiny tiny fine print that you probably can't read anyway if that answers the question <laughs> perfectly and yeah i i too am a, a deep skeptic of the tiny fine print so i definitely mm. like the idea of the ethics just being built into the system rather than me as a consumer having to vet everything right. that i'm actually trying to engage with Right. That's that's putting a lot of onus on a, on a fan or a user that starts the experience that they forget to do it. And then, you know, who's there? Then suddenly that user is held accountable and it shouldn't be. It should be the platforms and the creators and the developers. Um, to, they, you know, we as creators have a responsibility to look after our users and, and the fans to make sure that they have a good experience and come back and nothing is abused. What these standards are set out to do is that your digital assets, which is you, your data, your likeness, your image, your emails, your bank details, everything is kept secure and people build trust again. So it's about building trust really uh, with these devices and, and experiences. Exactly. And I mean, we've, we've talked, I mean, you've already mentioned a bit about standards. And I guess that leads straight into my next question of, because you've personally had such a hand in actually drafting these standards, specifically the CyberXR tech standards, I'd really just love to hear a bit more about kind of specifically, just some examples of what those standards look like, kind of what the vision is for this kind of regulation. Yeah, I think it's, it, it is about, you know, th- building those types of standards and the inclusion diversity in, you know, from the beginning, it's about thinking of them first, thinking about that end user experience and being very transparent uh, from with what you build and why you're building it. If you need data off of people, it's very, very clear from the top what you're, what you're asking from somebody and what you're going to do with it. And those are the types of standards that we're pushing, that it's got to be regulatory and it's got to be very clear and it's got to be practiced by all. In a way, it's tech for good. Um, 
that these types of standards are are started to be implemented into um, the experiences, you know, and overall um, included in that is within safety is building safe environments for people. So you can go into an experience and never feel like you will be bullied uh, emotionally or racially or be judged by abused, you know, no matter what your religion or gender is, you know, it should be uh, genuinely XR for all. And unfortunately, there are lots of experiences and, and uh, you know, games and developers and people creating things that are, that are not safe environments. So with these standards that CyberXR Coalition has been creating and endorsing and pushing forward to, you know, regulatory bodies is that uh, that build it, building and creating safe virtual environments, whether that's mixed reality, virtual reality, augmented reality, holographic reality, haptics reality, etc., uh, that will be that the guidelines will be followed. So that way. You as a user that might not know anything about that kind of stuff can go into the experience and know that you'll be safe and you'll be, you'll feel, you'll enjoy it, you know, and know that you're, that, that you're, that you're going to be in a, in a, in a protected environment too. And other people will look after you because that's new. That's new in XR. <laughs> safe, feeling safe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that really, um, I think that that really draws on one of the points that Rob was making about fake news and how actually without regulation, we could find ourselves in a world where, yeah, you see political ads and they're not the same ads that other people are seeing. And you actually find yourself being kind of pushed into this little echo chamber mm. and how that's kind of already what's happening on the internet. So it very much is a real threat for these emerging technologies like AR, VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and I uh, and the good news for that because I'm a, I'm a glass half full girl, and I can, uh, um, you know, I know firsthand that there are circles within the industry that are really pushing to make that change, and really, really, really backing and endorsing good, solid guidelines that I hope uh, people will be following. And you know, with that comes up upskilling people and educating people, and another initiative, the CyberXR. Um, colleagues are doing, you know, they're working with the Girl Scouts of America and teaching safety and responsibility in STEM and STEAM-led initiatives. And they've actually developed within the um, Girl Scouts of America, Kansas City, Missouri branch, a, a Girl Scout badge for XR. Like, how amazing is that? <laughs> Back in my day, it was like baking or sewing. I mean, I'm not that old, but it's like, or hiking or orienteering, you know, and now you can get a badge in and safety and XR. And that's where it starts. It is, it is really making sure that it's, it's not just about, Oh, the next gen, the next gen. Cause we can't, the only people you can rely on is yourself and to be leading by a good example and, and educating as many people around you. But it's a bonus when you can feed young minds with positive, uh, positive action, really. I mean, first I want that badge and I want to put it on my CV because that right? sounds amazing. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's just go to the Girl Scouts again. <laughs>
entirely. And I mean, I think that really also leads, I guess, into like kind of the big final question, which is all about, because I mean, yeah, the X, the CyberXR project is so much about, even though these regulations aren't law, really educating people and getting those mm-hmm. guidelines out there. Mm-hmm. And I guess, why is it so important for developers, creators in the UK to be building those guidelines into their systems now? I think it's uh, to keep them in a job, to ke- <laughs> you know, to build some ethical sounding boards uh, and get people thinking ethically and getting people to think about being responsible. And, you know, if more and more companies and, and from very large, you know, the FANGs, have you heard of this acronym FANG? You oh, know, yes. So it's, it's the Facebook, Amazon, Apple, uh, Netflix, and Google. In our broadcasting terms, that's called FANG. Um Weirdly, fang is kind of a word that gives you a visual of something nasty, right? <laughs> like the, the teeth of a wolf <laughs> or something. Um, but the point is, those, you know, to, to, to your point and to your question about, you know, why would developers want to be uh, showing those initiatives? And um, sorry, that's not a full on quote of what your question was, but, you know, it should be practiced by the large uh, conglomerates to startups, and and I think the at, you know eventually some startups form to remain indie and retain uh, control of their own responsibility. And Playlines and Rob Morgan is a fantastic, brilliant example of an indie studio that does just that. And there's other indie studios that want to be bought out by big companies, but you want to make sure that if you do go that route if you pursue that route you find yourself in a good uh environment and a good home that can reflect and endorse and take action on and match your ethos and your values of how you develop and how you create these experiences i mean that is an absolutely lovely point to end on although i will ask i guess just that last rounding up question Mm. say i'm a small startup, a small developer, what is, I guess, the one piece of advice that you would give to me to take away from this? The best advice if you're a startup or developer, you know, talk to as many people as you can, read up as much as you can about, you know, safety inclusion and and making fairness and accessibility part of your own rules. And then you're going to always have a much better product and and much better user experience um, than if you did not practice those. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Tip Lit- the waitress. I'm here all week. Literally absolutely perfect. I think with that, all that is left me to say is an absolutely massive thank you to Mookie. Thank you so thank much you, for Amber. joining me. I, I love chatting to you and let's let's do this again. And I think it's uh, if anyone's got any extra questions, um, they could tweet me at, at Mookie Approved. Um, and also, you know, contact Rob or myself through Playlines as well or LinkedIn. Hit me on LinkedIn. Um, and it's always good to you know, maybe we could follow up on this with a with a round table with um with a few other extra extra folks and developers and just keep the conversation going, really. I would, I would absolutely love to. And yes, yeah. all of the relevant details will all just be in the show notes as well. For anyone listening who wants to dig into it a little further, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Amber.